This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. So it's not to your boss. Yes, you're obedient to what your boss said, but you do it heartily to the Lord, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. Everything you do, whether it's here, ministry here in the church, whether taking care of things at home, at work, Everything we do, we do unto the Lord. Do people around you know that you believe in Jesus because of how you live your life? Pastor Eddie tells us today that there should be something different about us if we are truly believing in and following the Lord. If our co-workers, our neighbors, and those we rub shoulders with don't see a difference in our lives and find out that we are believers, what message are we communicating to them? Let Jesus work through you. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 6 as he begins his message, False Teachers and True Contentment. Well, in our last study, we looked at 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 17 to 25, verses 17 to 25. In verses 17 and 18, it talked about compensation for an elder or a pastor. And verse 17 is the key verse for that. It says, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. Then we looked at verses 19 to 21, and it talks about accusations of an elder. And when you're in leadership, you always have somebody to say something bad about you. Uh, Jesus went through that. He was falsely accused. Moses, Jeremiah, the list, the list goes on and on. But it's, Paul tells us in verse 19 of chapter 5, he says, do not receive, period. Do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. Then in verses 22 to 25, talks about the selecting of a leader of a church. Paul says in verse 22, do not lay hands on anyone hastily. Don't be in a hurry to ordain anyone. I said, nor share in other people's sin. Keep yourself pure. That brings us to chapter 6 of 1 Timothy. And uh, oh, this is the last chapter of the book of 1 Timothy. So we're going to now read and then we'll study it verse by verse. Let's look at verse 1. We begin reading from verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 1. Paul writes this, let as many bondservants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and his doctrine may not be blasphemed. And those who have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather serve them because those who are benefited are believers and beloved. Teach and exhort these things. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, And to the doctrine which accords with godliness, 
He is proud, knowing nothing but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words, for which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men, of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain, for such withdraw yourself. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men into destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Well, this morning we're going to look at the word of God concerning about three things. Three things. Paul is still dealing with the church. How the church ought to function from leadership all the way down to every single person who considers himself to be a part of a church. The first thing we're going to look at is about masters and servants. Masters and servants. That's the first thing we're going to look at. And that's in verses 1 and 2. Verses 1 and 2, masters and servants. The second thing we're going to look at in verses 3 to 5 is about false teachers, false teachers. The third thing we're going to look at is about true contentment. That's in verses 6 through 10, 6 through 10. True contentment in verses 6 through 10. Well, we read our text. Let us now study our text verse by verse. Let's look at verse 1, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Paul writes, Let as many bondservants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor. Now, the word bondservant in the Greek is doulos, and it means slave. It means slave. And so there are variations of what is a servant, bondservant, a bond slave. But here it speaks about a slave. Then we look at the word master. The master is in the Greek. It means Lord. It doesn't mean Adonai. Christ is Adonai. He's Lord of Lord. But master is Lord. And so slavery was a big part of the of Rome in, uh, during the, the economic structure in the first century. And sometimes we'll think about why is Paul inserting masters and slaves in this book that it has to address, you know, the church and how we ought to conduct ourselves? Well, because many who were attending the church of Ephesus uh, were either slaves or slave owners. And so... This was making its way into church. Of course, what happens outside of church will come in the church, and what happens in the church sometimes goes out of the church. So every single one of us, uh, you know, we work, we employees, employers, you know. And so, but back then, Paul is addressing mass slaves and masters. In fact, the, back then in Rome, it is estimated that Rome had over 50 to 60 million slaves. 50 to 60 million slaves, and that's in the city of Rome, Corinth and Ephesus. And so again, the church uh, was filled with believers. Some of them were slaves or slave owners. Now, when we think of slave, we think of the slave is slavery is different today than it was 100 years ago, than 2,000 years ago, and it varies and it's different. It's not always as negative as some people would think, and usually most of the time it is. But when you look at history, you find, like Luke, Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, who wrote the uh, letter of the book of Acts. Luke was a physician, but he still was considered a slave. So wealthy masters had slaves who were doctors, 
who were lawyers. They were on the payroll. And so they were servants, but they were still called slaves. As a matter of fact, when you go to Exodus 21, in Exodus 21, if a Hebrew master were to buy a Hebrew slave, he were to have him as a slave for six years. Six years by law. Uh, Six years used to have this slave, but after the six years are up, the slave is to be set free. The slave is to be set free. However, if the slave, you know, say, well, you know what? I really don't want to leave. You know, my master has been good to me. You know, the salary is great. The 401k plan is awesome. The medical benefits, uh, vacation time, it's great. Why would I want to leave? I want to stay with my master. So after the six years, he has a choice to, be free, to, be, to walk away or to remain. At that point, after the six years up, he decides to stay, to be a slave of his master. What they would do is they would go to the priest. The priest would then come to the house of the master. So it would be the priest, the master, and the slave. And what they would do is they would take the earlobe of the slave and at the doorpost of his house, they would take an owl and they would just drill, they would just knock a hole right through the doorpost of the house, meaning that he belongs to this house. But he would put an earring in his ear. So in those days, when you walked around and you saw slaves and you saw a slave with an earring, they said, ah, that's a willing slave. He willingly wanted to stay with his master. That's how you and I are. We are bond servants of Jesus Christ. We willingly, we willingly want to be a slave, if you will, and to serve Jesus Christ as our master. Paul, many times when he begins his epistle, he will begin saying, Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ. And that's what is, is here. So at that time, just to show you that slavery wasn't always a negative thing, and all masters were negative with their slaves. A lot of slaves loved their masters. They didn't want to leave. Hey, things are great here. Where would I want to go? It's good here. Uh, So it just proves that slavery wasn't always something that was negative. However, so we can know how this old text ran almost 2,000 years ago by the Apostle Paul, how this applies to us. Well, today the slaves are called employees. The masters are called employers, bosses, managers. And so... Keep that in mind as we study the next two verses. And so it is applicable for us today. So Paul says in verse 1, Let as many bondservants, employees, as are under the yoke, count their own masters, their boss, employers, with all, all honor. I like what um, John Corson said about this. He says, employees, those who are under the yoke are good eggs. It's a funny joke, by the way. When the whistle blows, they're not to scramble. When things get hot, they're not to get fried. Just keep that in mind wherever you work. I don't know who's your employer, but we are to be good employees. And the scripture calls us as Christians to honor them, to honor them. Whether they're honorable or not, we're to honor them. We're to respect them. We're to respect them, and, and we're to be the best, the best employees. You know, I think at this, you know, throughout the years, you know, I, I, I look at so many applications, not that I was applying for so many jobs, but there was a time when I was a regional manager for a department store called Caldors, and I looked at almost oh, a thousand applications. And you, one of the things you find in an application is you always find um, 
They want to know your military background. And usually the reason why they want to know about if you have military backgrounds is because you've been disciplined. You get up and you go to work. That's the kind of people they look for. But you know what? It would be nice if there was a section, are you a Christian or not? Because Christians should be the best employees. The best. The best employees in the company, in the stock room, in the office, and in the field. We don't, come in, we don't come into work late. We don't leave early. We don't complain. We don't cut corners. We don't give our employers a hard time. We get the job done and then some. And then some. Now, you know you could probably do more. Now, you probably say, oh, wait a minute. I'm not going to, you know, kiss up to the boss. No, it's not about the boss. You have a bigger boss than your boss. His name is Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, let's put it, for example, how many times we're going on vacation, Right? I've been there myself. I'm going to be away for a week or two. Let me get a lot of this work done so I can go on vacation for a week or two. If I did it, if I'd done double the work, I could do more. If I'd done double the work so I could be off and there won't be any, you know, extra work or mess when I get back, I can do more. That is what a Christian should be at work. I remember when I was being interviewed by the New York City Police Department, I remember the face expression from, there's always a detective just checking your background. And he says, so tell me. And he's with a serious face. You know, he's drilling me. I'm not a police officer. He says, one, he knows more about me than I know about myself. He knows my tax record, everything, all, everything. And he says, do you go to work on time? I said, no. He's looking at me. No. I said, no, I go to work early. And it's the truth. I used to go to work early. My boss really loved it, and I just like to go to place early. I hate to be on time. To me, being on time is late. I like to be early. Traffic is always something. But I kind of benefit from that because when I got there early before everyone else, you know, I would go, at first, I would go there with a coffee and a bagel. There was a nice bagel shop right across the street, and they made the bagels, H&H bagels. If you're from New York City, you know what I'm talking about. They make it right there. It's right hot off the oven. They'll put whatever is on it. It just melts together. It's great. <laughs> so I would go there every time. And, I would, and then, you know, eventually my boss said, hey, Eddie, I buy you fly. I need a cup and I want some of that bagel. So for, for a long time, for, for several years, I had a free cup of coffee and a bagel. And just by going early. Not that I was looking forward to that. It just was my nature. It's who I was. But this is the reason why we ought to be good employees, because look at the end of verse 1. It says here, so that the name of God and his doctrine may not be blasphemed. That's why. Now, you may do it because you want to raise. You may do it because you want a position. You may do it because you want a pat on the back. But the primary reason as to why a Christian ought to work And set an example as an employee is so that the name of God and his doctrine may not be blaspheming. Let's face it, you probably spend just as much time at work than you do at home, maybe sometimes more. And so they're watching you. They're watching everything you do. You call yourself a Christian. They're going to know you're a Christian. You should, they should know you're a Christian. It shouldn't be that after you work there for maybe six months or a year or two, and they say to you, I never knew you were a Christian. Your testimony at work should have, should have triggered the question. There's something different about you. You've been with us for a week, but you're such a nice person. You're always happy. We gave you the worst job, the worst position, and you're still smiling. Jesus Christ. They're watching you. And if you rebel against an unsaved employer, 
And then they, what's going to happen is they're going to slander God's name and reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're going to say, you're one of those Christians, and they talk about Jesus died on the cross for you, and you're saved, and you're going to heaven. Uh, I don't know about that. They blaspheme the Lord's name and the gospel of Jesus Christ, everything that we live for. We live according to the gospel of Christ. Your life should be a reflection of the gospel. And not only are going to blaspheme God's name, but on top of that, they're not going to believe the gospel. And maybe someone else may preach to them, not you. And they're going to say, wait a minute, you're going to preach about this Jesus? Wait, listen, I got an employee, and let me tell you, he's the worst employee I've had. Or I had this employee, he's just like anybody else. He's just like everybody else. I got to just be on top of them, tell them what to do, and they don't, they're not obedient. They come to work late, cut corners, they punch out early. Saints, we need to be careful. Wherever you're at, wherever you're working, please, you know, remember, if you are a Christian and you're representing Jesus Christ, you're an ambassador, everything, you, everywhere you go, we are to live like Christ and be Christ-like. And then Christ-like. In verse 2, he says, And those who have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, they're family. Don't despise, don't be disrespectful, in other words, or don't take advantage because they are believers. Don't take advantage. Some people might say, well, okay, I know my boss. Yeah, we're Christians. I got it covered. I got it made here now. You know, yeah, he, he understands. I, I came in late. He understands. Man, I was at church last night. We were praying real late. Yeah, but you're an hour late. No, that's okay. He understands. I'm in ministry right now. We're Christians. It's taking advantage. We're, we're on the same level. We're equal in the eyes of God. And you start quoting the scripture, like in Galatians, it says, there's neither Greek, no, no Jew, you know, there's neither slave nor free. We're all one in Christ. <laughs> Misinterpreting scripture, by the way. Yes, you're equal in the eyes of God. Yes, you're both brothers and sisters. But in the workplace, your employer, who's a Christian, is your boss. You need to submit to that authority. You need to submit. And you need to give all honor. Because everything we do, everything we do is unto the Lord. Now, even though the Apostle Paul does not address masters here, um, there is a passage in Scripture to this, to, to, for those masters who are Christians, by the way. And it's in Colossians chapter 4, verse 1. He says to masters, masters, give your bond servants what is just and fair. Knowing that, here it is, you also have a master in heaven, capital M. You know, if you're a Christian employee, employer, a boss, a supervisor, manager, you too need to set a testimony. Don't abuse your authority. You know, learn how to communicate with people. And that's what Paul gives us in, in when he uh, wrote his letter to uh, the church in Colossae for masters. Verse 2, he says, and those who have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather serve them because those who are benefited are believers and beloved. Again, everything we do, everything you do. Now, you know, coming to church, 
worshiping God and being fed the word of God. And yeah, that's, we were supposed to do those, those things. But that's just a fraction of what it is to be a believer in Jesus Christ. Most of what you do is out there. You come in here and you grow in the word of God. And God shows us in his word how we ought to conduct ourselves, how we ought to live, how we ought to love one another, and how we're to be employees and employers outside. Everything we do, we do unto the Lord. That's what Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, he says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are in the household. And so if you have a master who's a boss, we are to do good. Do good, especially to those who are in the household. So since both employees and employers, Christians, interested in doing good, we should serve one another together and, and helping one another and encouraging one another, you know? If things are rough at, at work and you, have, and you know a believer is struggling, he says, hey, come alongside them, pray with them, encourage them. And at the end of verse 2, he says, teach and exhort these things. And that's what we do here. Paul is telling Timothy, young pastor Timothy, Timothy, I know there are some masters and slaves in Ephesus, in the church of Ephesus. There are some bosses, there are some supervisors, and there's some uh, employees there. You tell them how they ought to conduct themselves. You tell them they're to honor their masters. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 to 24. And whatever you do, this is the verse I wanted to read before. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. So it's not to your boss. Yes, you're obedient to what your boss is, but you do it heartily to the Lord, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance you serve the Lord Christ. Everything you do, whether it's here, ministry here in the church, whether taking care of things at home, at work, everything we do, we do unto the Lord. So that's in verses one and two. It deals with masters and servants. We call them today employees and employers. Now in verses three to five, Paul is going to draw attention to false teachers. In verse three, he says, if anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to the wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness. False teachers would always teach otherwise. Anything and everything outside of the scriptures. Even replacing the words of Christ. He says... Even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, the words that we find in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they even have rejected the words of Christ. The reasons we find over and over again, Paul gives us warning after warning. Almost every letter, almost every book in the New Testament gives us warnings about false teachers. Why? Because they're false teachers. People don't get it. I'm You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. Have you ever wondered why there are so many letters written in the New Testament? 1 Timothy is just one of many letters that gives you some insights into the ministry that was happening after the time that Jesus lived here on earth. There were struggles and there were successes. But you realize that as great as these missionaries and pastors were, they also were just human. They had strengths, weaknesses, discouragements, and moments of triumph. Isn't it great to know and to relate to people in the Bible? They're spiritual pillars in some ways. 
but you come to realize that they were people that God used, just like He can use you in this time and place. We're so glad you joined us today for Running the Race. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, Jessica has an invitation for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. Once again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. We hope you'll refer to our website for additional resources that include hearing these messages again or learning about the church behind the ministry. Join us again for another edition of Running the Race.